Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Allison Ansaro, Managing Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. In January of this year, entrepreneur and Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban launched a direct-to-consumer pharmacy called the Cost Plus Drug Company, promising savings by eliminating middlemen and charging costs plus 15% and a pharmacy fee. What if Medicare could do the same? On this episode of Managed Carecast, we speak with a researcher who co-authored a study out this week that looked at the savings to Medicare Part D if the same model had been used for some of the country's most widely employed generic drugs. Dr. Hussein Lalani, one of the co-authors, discussed the findings of the paper published Monday in the Annals of Internal Medicine. The analysis compared the price paid by Medicare Part D plans in 2020 with the price of 89 generic drugs sold by the pharmacy in 2022 and found that Medicare would have saved as much as $3.6 billion over one year. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Lalani. Thank you so much for having me. Can you describe your background and research interests? And also, what kind of patients do you treat? I think you're an internist. Yeah, that's right. My name's uh, Hussein Vellani. I'm a primary care physician. I uh, see patients uh, at Brigham and Women's Hospital, mostly adults, um, only adults uh, over the age of 18 and all sorts of medical problems. Um, I'm also a research fellow at the Program on Regulation, Therapeutics and Law, which is a, a non-industry funded independent research group at Brigham and Women's. Um, with the groups of lawyers, epidemiologists, uh, physicians, and biostatisticians. And we try to understand a variety of policy and regulatory issues around prescription drug pricing. Um, my specific interests are really in uh, trying to understand the challenges that we face in providing access to affordable health care. And I'm focused on drug pricing as a lens to understanding those disparities and inequities in the broader system. And I really enjoy evaluating health policies and whether they actually work uh, as they were intended. You and uh, Dr. Aaron Kesselheim and Dr. Benjamin Rome co-authored a short research report that's coming out or by the time this is released has come out June 20th in the Annals of Internal Medicine. And you all looked at the Mark Cuban Costs Plus Drug Company, which which, uh, launched earlier this year. And you looked at what that company sold generic prescription drugs for and what Medicare Part D plans would have saved if Medicare had that option. Can you tell me what you found? Yes, we found that Medicare could have saved up to $3.6 billion in 2020 by purchasing 77 generic drugs um, at the maximum quantity sold by the Martin Cuban Cost Plus Drugs Company. And interestingly, we also found that Uh, Even while using Mark Cuban's uh, pricing, we found that for inexpensive generic medicines, um, sometimes delivering the medicine can be more expensive than actually making the medicine. So about 50% of the cost in our sample uh, would have been spent on distribution. Uh, That's the online pharmacy fee and the shipping fee. And those costs would have been even higher uh, for patients who fill their medicines every month as opposed to every three months, for example. Is that how Mark Cuban, the Mark Cuban company operates? It's three months, 90 day supplies. It's interesting. They actually uh, 
they operate based on the count, uh, which is uh, the number of pills. So it's a 30 count, 60 count, or 90 count, uh, which can be uh, helpful if the medicine is sold, taken once a day. But for medicines that are taken twice a day or more frequently, it's a little bit trickier because, uh, you know, if you take a medicine twice a day uh, for a month, that's 60 pills. But if you did it twice a day for three months, that'd be 180 pills. And the price for 180 pills is not really available on their website. When you looked at the data, there were uh, certain classes of drugs that came up most often that Medicare could have saved on. They look like acid blockers, antidepressants, uh, cholesterol drugs. Is that right? We looked at all drugs that the Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drugs Company was selling on around February 8th, 2022. And that was about 109 drugs. And of that, uh, of those drugs, we then tried to match up uh, those drugs with drugs on the Medicare Part D uh, dashboard. And we were able to directly link uh, 89 of those drugs. So we eliminated 20 drugs because of, of multiple dosage forms, things like creams versus ointments. Um, and because the, the, the way that the unit prices are compared are not always the same. Um, and so, and, and we, we report in our letter, the top 10 generic drugs with the highest estimated uh, savings for Medicare Part D. And you're right, the most, uh, the, the drug with the highest savings, possible savings was um, esomeprazole. And they could, Medicare Part D could have saved an estimated $293 million uh, just for that one pill. How would this affect the patients that you see, you know, given the times that we're living, we're living in, for instance, there's, I think I see two antidepressants you know, or I don't see asthma drugs listed on there or COPD drugs, but I imagine they were included as well. I think I saw that in the notes. How would this have affected the patients that you treat? That is a fantastic question. And, you know, I, it's, it's really tough to watch patients suffer and struggle to afford their prescription drugs. The, the challenging thing about this data set in particular that we used is that we did not look at the out-of-pocket costs that patients pay themselves. That's because it, the data is not available in this, in this data set. So we looked at the specific money that Medicare Part D plans spent. So while I can't say for sure how uh, this would have, it's hard to say for sure how uh, this lower pricing would have affected the out-of-pocket costs that patients face, but in general, um, if there are, you know, lower costs that the insurers are paying, then patients also pay lower uh, amounts. It's not true in all cases, uh, but generally, it, you know, that that's what we see. Um, and the interesting thing is that, you know, patients who are uninsured um, and patients or patients who are underinsured, uh, they may be the ones who get the most benefit from a company that is direct to consumer, like the Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drugs Company, um, because their coverage, uh, they either don't have any coverage or they have uh, limited coverage and they're able to uh, you know, get a pretty good deal for a, a number of drugs. Um, but for some patients, those who are insured, um, 
generic drugs are often not the reason why they have trouble affording their medicines. Um, it's often the brand name drugs. And I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind. Um, for now, at least, the Mark Cuban Class Plus Drugs Company is focusing on generic drugs. And so uh, many of the patients I see who struggle to afford their medicines, uh, we're talking about um, brand name drugs, things like um, apixaban, a blood thinner, or liraglutide, uh, an injectable medicine for diabetes and, and weight loss. Um, and those drugs are not really, they're not covered or included in, in the new company. Were there other limitations of this study or things that you might look to cover in another study? That's a great question. So we, um, there's, I think there's a couple things to note. Um, you know, we, we are unsure of whether, like how, how the prices that the Mark Cuban company uh, sets compared to other direct-to-consumer options. So for, if you put yourself in the patient's shoe, if I'm uninsured, you know, one of my options is to go to the Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drugs company website and to see what that drug I need costs. Uh, but there are other, there are also other direct-to-consumer options. Uh, that includes Walmart's $4 list. That includes Costco's uh, prescription drug program, if you're a Costco member. Um, and GoodRx, uh, which has been around since 2011, offers um, hundreds to nearly thousands of different coupons for uh, generic drugs. And so um, in this analysis, we did not look at any other direct-to-consumer uh, companies and which one may be the best for a patient. What we know though from prior research uh, done by other collaborators uh, around the country is that um, the prices that patients, uh, the discounts that patients can get from GoodRx, they tend to vary quite a bit based on their zip code and the pharmacy. So that's an important thing just to keep in mind broadly as in terms of what affects patient access to drugs and the cost that they pay. And that there are a number of drugs for which it is still cheaper for people who have insurance to pay their copay than it is to go through a direct-to-consumer pharmacy. Um, there was a paper a few years ago that looked at Costco's program, and they found that only 11% of the time uh, was Costco actually cheaper uh, for Medicare patients who were, uh, when they tried to use their insurance. So, um, you know, those are some important things to, to note. You talk about, you know, as you just noted, these direct-to-consumer companies offer savings um, in, in many cases, but is it the role of these private companies to do that? You talk about the need for policy reforms and, you know, um, other actions that should be taken in this area. And I know that is all stuck in Washington. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I guess it depends on uh, your perspective on who is responsible for this. Is it, uh, is it a, are we gonna leave it strictly up to the market to resolve these issues or is government um, policy and regulation needed? And from my perspective, uh, based on our research, but also a, a ton of hard work by many researchers around the country over the last decade, I think it's pretty clear that Medicare Part D uh, as a program is very broken and it does not work for patients. Um, patients struggle to afford their medicines um, when they have Medicare Part D. And, and so I do think that this, the, 
one of the great things about this company's work is that uh, the Mark Cuban's cost plus drug company is really allowing us to, for the first time, understand the the costs of the of these drugs um, at an individual level and at a component level. Um, it's rare that we know um, well, that we have transparency around what is the cost to make a drug? How much does it cost to distribute that drug? Um, what are all of the different costs along the distribution pathway? And so I, I'm happy that we are getting more information and more price transparency. And I think that will help us to and will help inform uh, policy reforms, which are much needed still in order to lower the cost of prescription drugs for patients. Um, you know, it's as a patient, you probably don't really think a lot about uh, where do the drugs come from. <laughs> but if you think about it, uh, they start at the manufacturer and eventually they make their way all, all the way uh, to the consumer at the pharmacy. But along the way, there's a lot of different actors who are helping to distribute those drugs as part of the supply chain. There's a wholesaler, there is uh, the insurer, there's the pharmacy benefit manager, there's the pharmacies themselves, and each of those actors takes a cut of um, the pro of the profits. You know, they have a cost to deliver that service, and then they're incentivized uh, to to make a profit. And so, and ultimately, patients are the ones that end up paying for that, um, either in out-of-pocket costs or through their premiums, um, as their insurance companies try to, uh, you know, subsidize some of those drug costs uh, for them. So. I should note for anyone listening, if they look at the article, you have um, a bar chart and the ingredient cost is very small compared to the rest of the categories, if I'm looking at that right. That's right. The other yeah. things combined. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. When we looked at the maximum quantity available for a particular drug on the Mark Cuban Cost Plus Company drug website, um, we found that only about 43% of the actual cost that consumers spend goes towards the ingredients and manufacturing. Um, the company purchases the drug reportedly directly from manufacturers. And so patients are paying about 43 cents of every dollar towards that. But the rest of their money is actually going towards the pharmacy dispensing fees and the shipping or the distribution at, as a whole. Um, and that's even on top of all the savings that uh, Medicare would be getting uh, through this process. It is, it's a really important thing for us to think about is the supply chain and how policy reforms can be put in place to ensure that the system actually works for patients and that there isn't uh, you know, manipulation and price gouging and profiteering happening by these actors along the distribution supply chain at the expense of patients. And, and taxpayers, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, right? and taxpayers in this case. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Is there anything else I forgot to ask or that you want to mention? The other main finding, uh, the other thing that's just important to keep in mind, and we think we touched on it briefly, is that most patients struggle to afford their brand name drugs. And when I think about how to help patients afford their medicines, I'm really looking for ways to lower the cost of really expensive brand name drugs. And that also includes infusion-based therapies um, or so-called clinician-administered drugs. Those are like a lot of cancer uh, drugs, rheumatologic drugs, 
um, among others. And they also have a, uh, are, are noticing, we're noticing a very large increase in those prices as well. And unfortunately, the not only is the supply chain different, but those types of drugs, um, brand name drugs and clinician administered drugs are not included in the Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drugs Company. And most people who struggle to afford their medicines are struggling because of brand name drugs. And the other thing to keep in mind is that uh, you will probably hear people talk about patient assistance programs um, as a way of subsidizing the cost of prescription drugs. And it's true that there are some uh, patient assistance programs that are offered directly by manufacturers for individuals who qualify based on their criteria, which vary based on the company and the drug. And oftentimes it's based on income. And the tricky, there's a couple of tricky things about this. Uh, one of them is that unfortunately, and it's really uh, sad and unfortunate, Medicare patients are not eligible for those patient assistance programs because of federal regulations and the anti-kickback statute. So when my patient who has Medicare has trouble affording a medicine, and even if they qualify based on their income for a patient assistance coupon, I, they're not allowed to get that. Uh, so that really limits their options. And on top of that, these coupons are just a Band-Aid on the actual problem. They really cover it up and they can be quite reliable. I have switched patients onto some drugs with these coupons. And then if the coupon is rescinded, or the patient no longer meets the criteria for that coupon that's set by the drug company, they no longer can have that medicine because it's too expensive. And then we have to shift things around all over again. So it would be great if we could have affordable drugs for everyone that were easily accessible and to build a system that's incentivized to deliver innovative drugs for patients at a reasonable, affordable price. That way it's a win-win for everyone. We're innovating, we're creating new drugs, utilizing the best in science, and we're actually helping people live longer, but they can't do that. Patients can't, don't get any benefit if they can't afford the drugs. <laughs> so we really need to make sure they can actually afford them and access them. Well, those are all excellent points. And I really wanna thank you for coming on and discussing this. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity, Allison. All right, looking forward to your next work. All righty, take care. For all of us at AJMC, thanks for listening. To learn more about these issues, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.